Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Well, hello there, woodchuck chuckers. Punxsutawney Phil, that seer of seers, that prognosticator of prognosticators, emerged on Groundhog Day in Punxsutawney, PA, reluctantly, but alertly, and definitely saw his shadow. Sorry, folks, for those of you who live in states other than Florida, six more weeks of winter. Welcome back, everybody. Tom Rose, Gary Bauer with you, the Bauer and Rose Show on Sirius XM, the Patriot Channel 125, and the Bauer and Rose Podcast, brought to you by our good friends at justthenews.com, available wherever you get your podcasts. So, Tom, I, you know, by the time people listen to this, uh, uh, that uh, the groundhog thing will be, you know, old news. But but right now it's breaking news while we're while we're uh, having this conversation. And I I just would like to know what uh, what what your source was to get that information so quickly. I mean, do you have an in with the groundhog? And, and is this reliable? Are you sure? Because there's a number of other groundhogs around America that try to ace out the only groundhog that matters, which is the one in Pennsylvania. Well, that's right. I mean, that's, you know, are you going to the groundhog dinner, the famous line in the movie? No, I had groundhog for lunch. Now, you know what Sonny and Cher have to do with all this, right? Well, I got you, babe, the song. Yeah, yeah. See, not everybody knows that unless uh, unless they are a fan of the movie Groundhog Day, which many of the family members uh, in my family believe is one of the best all-time movies ever. No question, ever. It, no question and, about and it. And a lady who shall go nameless, but is known by some people as Carol, uh, thinks it is a terrible movie, which raises serious doubts in my mind. She just doesn't like the whole concept of living the same day over and over well, again. Well, who does? Which may be because that's the life she's had, <laughs> well, living I the mean, same the, day you know, over and over again with me. Ralph and the other guy at the bar, you know, Bill Murray says, what would you do <laughs> if nothing in your life mattered? And the same day was exactly the same. Well, that about sums it up for me. Anyway. Well, you know, Tom, the whole political um, atmosphere in America that we live in is a lot like Groundhog Day. You know, every day the left continues to work its will. Bauer is good, folks. Ba Bauer, just see how he just rolled into that? This is not rehearsed. This is not, I mean, we just hit the play button and it hit the record button and it goes and listen to Bauer. He's well, taking if it was rehearsed, day. it would be, if it was rehearsed, it should be a lot better than this. <laughs> let me tell you that. But, but we keep doing the same things in reaction to the left every day expecting a different result. And, uh, and, and I'll even make another analogy. All too often, the people that we have empowered to represent us and to speak for us, other than a few notable exceptions, one of them being the former president of the United States, Donald Trump, um, they, they keep seeing their shadow and running for cover. Uh, I, you know, I'm hoping 
we're going to see better things out of a Republican House. And, and you know, it. there's some good stuff. But let, let me just give you one example. Yesterday, Republican members of, uh, I, I guess it was House Judiciary that Jordan is, uh, Congressman Jordan, good guy, is chairing. And uh, Republicans made uh, statements during the hearing about the outrageous things happening at the border. I mean, it's just, I mean, we all know them. Anybody watching this show or listening to the show certainly knows this is scandalous, et cetera. But, but our arguments were public policy arguments. This number of people are crossing into the country illegally. This amount of drugs are coming in. We have a witness here who lost his son to fentanyl, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Then the Democrats get to speak. Here was their argument. Racist, bigot, MAGA Republican, Nazi, fascist, etc. Tom, one thing that was missing from our arguments, at least in the clips that I saw, this is an intentional effort to replace the American population. I am absolutely convinced of that. When you say it, you're a racist, but Democrats actually promote it, propose it, suggest it, applaud it, welcome it. They say it all the time. Joe Obama used to go crazy about it. He would say, you know, in another 10 years, whites will be a permanent minority in the United States. And he would say with a big grin on his face, he was so excited he could hardly restrain himself. Joe Biden actually said on the trail during the 2020 campaign, use the Obama line and then added, and that will be good for the country. Now, maybe it will be good for the country. Maybe it won't be good for the country. The point is, we are condemned for repeating their assertions, their doctrines, their dogma. It's the same thing with the critical race theory in this AP uh, course controversy. The left at once says that critical race theory isn't taught. And then it says, (laughs) and then it condemns any effort not to teach it. Now, which is it? Which is it can it? be both, Tom. Don't you get it? It can be both at the same time. That's what it means to be a Democrat in America. You can be Hunter Biden and say, I don't know if that's my my laptop. It could be Russian disinformation. I have a lot of laptops. And then today he goes, you stole my laptop. (laughs) (laughs) No, Democrats, Democrats do offense. This is the Gary about this. Democrats do offense. We do defense. Now the Democrats are starting again, an unapologetic, unequivocal, coordinated attack campaign against those people that want detailed investigations into the Bidens. Um, They're planning sustained personal attacks against the two Republicans leading the major uh, probes to Democrats. That's Oversight Committee Chair Jim, uh, uh, Jim, Jamie Comer from Kentucky and the Chairman of the Judiciary Committee, uh, Jim Jordan from Ohio. So faced with the Biden scandals, you got to hand Democrats some credit because they are far more clever than we are. Faced with these mounting Biden scandals, which have been an open secret really for 30 years, they dug up George Santos, served them Beautifully. Um, and when we tried to go after Elon Omar, the Dems united behind this this Islamist, Jew-hating, anti-Semite to a person, not a single Democrat defected. While we have several GOP members from Nancy uh, Mace in North Carolina to Matt Gates for some reason, uh, defending Omar. I I mean, you know, the China wolf warrior strategy, anyone that comes after you, you know, you take after him. 
like a uh, like a hedgehog. It's always attack, never, never defend. Of course, it helps to have a media establishment in your back pocket. It helps to have every national institution as well, which ironically means we're the insurgents, right? We're the actual insurgents. But the problem is we never act like it. When we're in power, we don't have a clue what to do. We fumble and bumble. And when we're out of power, we whine about fairness. We can't seem to unite around anything. Yeah, you know, Tom, I, uh, met, if you're a liberal Democrat, when you get up in the morning, you're looking for ways that you can stand out as being a superior liberal Democrat to the other liberal Democrats. They try to outdo each other in who can move further and further left toward full-blown socialism, even without much exaggeration, neo-Marxism, etc. We have a lot of Republicans, particularly if they have higher ambitions – and they get up in the morning trying to figure out how they can convince people they're not like those other conservatives. They're actually conservatives with a heart. You know, George W. Bush, I'll tell you, it was like fingernails on a chalkboard every time I heard him say compassionate conservatism. We're going to put in a compassionate conservatism. Well, guess what, George? conservatism is compassionate. And what you were doing, and I think he knew exactly what he was doing, he was signaling he wasn't actually a conservative like those people. He was a Bush conservative, which means, heck, you can promise you're not going to raise taxes, and then you can raise taxes and make fun of the people that took you seriously when you said you were never going to raise taxes. Uh, it's this from the annals of uh, bureaucracy. Florida now, thanks to Governor Ron DeSantis, my governor, has created a, a backlash against uh, critical race theory, these AP high school courses. And I can't help but crack up if it wasn't so serious. <coughs> it would be a laughing matter. <coughs> they um, argue, as we indicated earlier, that uh, critical race theory is not taught. Then they say anyone who says it shouldn't be taught is a racist. They love it. They extol it. They endorse it wholly. And when presented with the fact that the this AP course curriculum, which the college board prepares for AP courses, AP courses, of course, are the advanced courses that kids in high school take. At the end of the year, there is, I'm sure all your kids did it, my kids did it. At the end of the year, there are these AP exams. And if you score high enough on an AP exam, many colleges, many universities, particularly state universities, will grant you some college credit. So it makes sense for these kids to take these courses. They can save a lot of money um, by uh, testing out of, of, uh, of college courses. Now, this curriculum, which the left is defending, that the College Board has now thankfully amended to an extent, includes things like Critical race theory, obviously, it's the essence, intersectionality, and the black queer experience. Now, let me ask you, and this goes to the heart of the matter, I think, because blacks in America, my guess is, are no different than Hispanics, than Jews, than evangelicals. If there was an AP course, and there should be, on a Jewish history, let me ask my Jewish friends here. 
Jews are liberal overwhelmingly because we're unbelievably naive. We've had it so good here for so long. We have forgotten that evil exists in the world. But how would Jews react if an AP course on Jewish history included the Jewish queer experience? I, I, I mean, where are black conservatives? By the way, there's nothing in this overturned uh, curriculum that included black conservatives. There was no reference to Thomas Sowell or Shelby Steele or Clarence, Clarence Thomas. Thomas. Right. A, a completely political, focused on um, rep. Um, go ahead. I'll, I'll make, well, I'll make a I'll make a a, a wild guess here. Uh, maybe I'll be proven wrong, but I bet there was no reference in it to Martin Luther King, because Martin Luther King was a Christian Baptist pastor and his appeal for equality was based on the belief that God created all of us in his image and because of that we have dignity value and worth Martin Luther King did not attack the founding fathers he didn't attack the the founding documents he said we simply want to be included in the promises of the founding documents today if Martin Luther King were alive and wanted to teach that message he would be stopped at the schoolhouse door, not by Bull Connor. He would be stopped at the schoolhouse door by woke leftists that run the Democrat Party because he would be violating the separation of church and state because his whole argument for equality was based on a central religious belief about the nature of man. The uh, leading academic whose name I can't recall that was that spearheaded or was chairman or whatever the term for the leader of the development of this curriculum, the AP college, the AP high school course on African-American history uh, is a radical Marxist professor who openly calls for the abolition of the police, the abolition of mass incarceration, um, a huge section on police brutality these people, I don't understand. Well, obviously what they want and what they deliver is chaos because chaos leads to a public demand for more power. Those who create, this was a brown shirt tactic. This was a Mussolini tactic. I know we're never supposed to invoke uh, Adolf Hitler and the rise of the Nazis to anything. But as might- an American Jew, you can get away with that. I would be dead. I would already be. You would already why, say. Why can't we called, learn something from the Nazi experience? Why well, can't we course. learn something from the rise of the Nazi party? Well, of course, Tom, and they call us Nazis and fascists all the time. Nobody says you can't be doing that. You can't be appropriating, you know, from that horrible period of history and applying that to conservative Republicans. No, it's only us that, you know, have to be. Very careful about how we speak about this. Uh, Tom, this is, uh, look, I, I would, I, I admire uh, DeSantis for what he's doing on this. I, I do think that we've got to learn how to argue and, and most Americans will not get into the weeds. They won't even get into the detail that, you know, you're so effectively outlining. And I, I think what everybody, particularly governing conservatives, when they, they're willing to take on a fl- uh, fight like this, what they need to say is, look, I went through the curriculum and it violates basic rules that America was built on. This curriculum teaches that all blacks are victims. That is wrong to teach. It teaches that all whites are genetically bigots and oppressors. 
that is a wrong thing to teach our children. It teaches it's them not true. that no, <laughs> it teaches them that America is evil, has been evil, was evil at its beginning, and is evil now. That too is a lie. So the curriculum fails on those three fundamental grounds. It's not little problems here or there. On three pillars, it is wrong and it is poisonous. And black Americans, white Americans, Hispanic Americans, any American ought to re- reject it, resist it, and stand with me against these evil people that are trying to put these thoughts into the minds of your children. This is precisely why President Biden and his Justice Department uh, sought to intimidate parents who came to school board meetings to protest this stuff being taught to their kids. This is why they're working so hard to demonize people like Ron DeSantis, a history course, an African-American history course, a detailed, thorough course in African-American history should include the good, the bad, the ugly, the redemptive, the oppressive, everything about it. And, and the comparison, the comparison, compared to what, right? No nation, just like no human being is without sin. No nation is without sin. But what nation will you compare us to? No nation we're compared to is going to come out better than we have done. And we continue to be an honorable, decent nation. The, the, this nation more than any other, the most horrible thing you can say about an American is that he is a bigot. There are a lot of countries that people will go, you know, eh, yeah. but in America, we are so decent and so desirous of racial reconciliation that nothing pains us more than for somebody to put that label on us, which is why the left tries constantly to do it to conservatism and to the Republican Party. Everything to delegitimize the magnificence, the nobility, the decency of this country. For all of our dark past, the black moments, small b, of of slavery, of segregation, of Jim Crow, of denial of opportunity, no country on the face of this earth in the long annals of, of, of human imperfection has done more has worked harder, has sacrificed more to rectify the evils of our past. There's no country on earth with a multi-ethnic population, which the United States most certainly has, that is less racist, less bigoted than the United States. And proof of that statement, that's not an opinion, that's a fact. What is the evidence for that fact? That the majority of African Americans today in this country derive not from slaves, but from willing immigrants from black Africa that have come subsequent to the abolition of slavery. If America is so racist, if America is so bigoted, if America is so evil, why do millions of blacks want to come here. Why haven't they left? It's free. It's a free country. You can leave just as surely as you can come in. It's probably harder to get out now with no border than it is to get in. Why do people come here? Why do they want to come here? Why are they, uh, why are they just uh, traducing our borders by the millions if we're so racist? 
Now, granted, we don't give everybody five-star hotel accommodation in New York City, uh, and the meals are inappropriate and not, not, not culturally appropriate. But the fact is, it, we're the greatest country in the world. There's no country like ours. There's no country less racist than ours. There's no country in the history of democracy or self-government that has once, let alone twice, elected a, uh, a member of a minority race. It never, nowhere. Yeah, you know, Tom, I, I mean, uh, everything you've said, I, I agree. Although I also believe that uh, we are in very great danger of not being a great country. I totally country. agree with that. And it's not because we're a nation of bigots. It's because that the people that are marching through our institutions, through our political institutions, through our universities, through our popular culture, through corporate America, have a vision of the, of the world and of what a country should be that will, in fact, effectively destroy us and make us eventually a country not worthy of the love of decent men and women. And I'm, I'm afraid we're getting much closer to that than uh, any of us fully realize. You know, it's it's funny. I'm, I'm reading James McPherson's book on the Civil War. And don't worry, I'm not going to send it to you. I got yelled at, by the way, folks, the other day when we were off the air. Gary Bauer is the only person in the world who yells uh, and is seriously aggrieved and annoyed at at gifts being flowered upon him. I sent him a, a Reagan book, and he, the guy yells at me the other day, stop it. You're making me look bad in front of my wife. Stop sending me stuff. No, it's just that I keep falling behind in my reading, Tom. And I, you know, I, I want to read uh, things that are sort of uh, uh, competitive with watching a mindless TV show. I mean, <laughs> I don't want a book too intellectual, too you know, demanding of my intellect, et cetera. You thrive on those books. And I always feel like I'm getting your leavings, you know, the, the ones that you're the crumbs, through with. Right. And, uh, and you, you want your co-host on the Bower and Rose show uh, to be a, a little bit more of an intellectual giant like you. So you keep sending me these books and then I can't sleep at night because I'm afraid that what's in the book is going to be on the final exam, which I'm sure will be <laughs> delivered to my house by Federal Express, just like the books are. <laughs> this book, he makes a uh, James McPherson, it's an older book, but it's it's a classic. It's a one-volume um, book about the Civil War. Um, uh, General Sherman, William Tecumseh Sherman, who is now regarded by everybody as the most evil monster uh, on the Union side in the Civil War, the burning of Atlanta, the march to the sea. McPherson, Watch your step here, Tom. Watch your step. Uh, no, no, no. McPherson, you're talking to Gary Lee Bauer. Okay. I, uh, <laughs> his point is uh, – Billy Sherman, General Sherman, did more to free blacks than any abolitionist. Um, the great feat of Sherman was that his armies ravaged, destroyed uh, the richest part of the South with virtually no mass killings. Everything they burned and destroyed was central to the Confederate cause. And um, his was the only army. Grant's didn't. Um, Joseph Johnston's didn't that actually freed slaves when he marched, when he found uh, enslaved blacks, he immediately uh, uh, freed them. Um, but the point is that sometimes fighting evil requires fighting. 
And that's what we did. And we lost 700,000 men in a country at that point of 35 million. Today, the equivalent would be 7 million men in a war to fight evil. And there's no yeah, country, there's no country in history that's done anything like that. No, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And Tom, we've, uh, we've recommended this before. It's worth recommending again. Speaking of books and reading, you don't have to read a book. Uh, you can read one page, which is the second inaugural of Abraham Lincoln, who delivered the speech on the steps of the Capitol in a, in a Washington DC in, in which rain had been falling for weeks. The mud was, you know, knee deep in some places. It was a bleak, uh, moment weather-wise of pictures of the moment, uh, show in the crowd, uh, John Wilkes Booth stalking President Lincoln, right. who he would kill not much later. But in this one page, a uh, a dejected president, actually, that had presided over the deaths of 700,000 Americans, uh, a horror, uh, and he was prone to depression anyway. And in this one page, uh, he uh, refers directly or indirectly to the Bible 13 times, and he raises a question that could not be raised today in America by any American president. He, he asks people to ponder because he has been asked many times, when will this end? When will this end? And he ponders that a just God who both the North and South pray to, both the North and South pray to the same God of the Bible and both sides ask him for their blessing, his blessing on their endeavors, but only one side would be who prayers would be answered, the other side would not. But he ponders and raises the question, what if God allows the war to continue until enough blood has been shed north and south to equal all the blood shed by the slave master's lash? It is a serious question by a serious man. He is asking the people of this great nation to ponder what the God, the overwhelming majority of them believed in, how would he judge us? What should we be doing that would please that God? If you even bring anything up close to that today, you're, you're the American Taliban. You're a radical right-wing extremist. First of all, what God, you idiot? Did you go to college? Don't you know you're praying to nobody? And if you would dare say, you know, uh, because of all the blood shed by uh, a million abortions a year for 50 years. Uh, God is, may very well judge America and demand some price from us. Oh my God, your political career in America would be over. In fact, you probably would get chased out of quite a few pulpits if you were a pastor and said it. Not to mention a so, rabbi. Not to mention a rabbi. Finally, yeah, oh, do we yeah. hope, fervently do we pray, that the mighty scourge of war may speedily pass away. And correct me if I'm missing something. Yet if God wills that it continue until all the wealth piled by the bondman's 250 years of unrequited toil shall be sunk and... Uh, every drop of blood, uh, another drawn 3,000 years ago, it still must be said the judgments of the Lord are right and true altogether. 
Yeah. You know, see, folks, this is why I don't like getting books from Tom. He he has a photographic memory, Excellent. although he can't remember when this show is, <laughs> is put together. But but if he reads something, it is forever in that brain and he can bring it out at, at moments like that. I You can't see him, but he had nothing in front of him. And uh, that that is uh, probably a 99 percent. Uh, accurate description of, of the exact words. You know, Tom, like Martin Luther King, so much of what Lincoln said was based on, on the ideas of the God of Judeo-Christian civilization, the only God we would say that actually exists. His, can, can, can I interject just one second? Sure. His father, Thomas uh, Lincoln, was largely an illiterate. Lincoln was basically self-taught. They had three books in the house. The Bible, the King James Bible, Aesop's Fables, and um, what's the guy's name who wrote uh, the elegy on George Washington? Lincoln literally memorized the entire Christian Bible. The five books of Moses, he knew by heart. I mean, he read it over and over and over and over. And by the way, that was not unusual for the age. Not unusual at all. And it explains the level of debate you see when you read the Lincoln-Douglas debates or you even read the letters sent by uh, soldiers north and south home from the battlefront, right? You look at the letter and you go, my goodness, a college graduate today can't write a letter like that. And these were largely self-taught people. There weren't colleges like we know of them today. There were the Eastern institutions, but none of the land-grant colleges had been established yet. College was something for the 1% of the 1%. People had to hard-scrabble their way to a livelihood. Abraham Lincoln's, uh, upon the death of his mother, his father leaves nine-year-old Abe and his 11-year-old sister Sarah alone in the Indiana backcountry for nine weeks in the middle of winter to fend for themselves. They were a lot. Can you imagine today, uh, Department of Family and uh, Social Services, what these people accomplished, what they did, what they learned, what they understood. His dad was an illiterate. He couldn't write his own name, yet he knew enough to put whatever together he had to ensure that there was a Bible in the house. Yeah, Tom. I mean, the Bible is central to the history of America. It, uh, you, you know, it, people will laugh at you now. Our, our, our children, unfortunately, the great majority of them have no idea. They, they've not read the minutes of the last meeting in which the meeting that's called the forming of America with, without the Bible. I mean, you can make a, a powerful argument. That the founders in Constitution Hall, while they were informed by Greek and Roman political philosophy and found many ideas in, in the books about those uh, civilizations that informed the kind of government they gave us, the most important things about the American Republic they discovered in the book of Moses, the books of Moses and the New Testament. It was there that they found out what 
the reason is that every human being has dignity, value, and worth, about the nature of evil, the reason you have to have checks and balances, because man with unlimited power inevitably as a sinner will abuse the power to oppress and harm others. All the things that the left rails against, it's so hard to get things done in Washington. There's too many things that slows everything down. The founders knew you had to slow sinful man down because even elected men can become a mob under certain circumstances. And if there aren't things built into the institutions to slow them down, your liberty will disappear in the blink of an eye. There was wisdom in one founding father greater than all the wisdom in the entire elected Congress today, in my view. What percent, and this is a question um, I'm afraid to ask because it, it'll be so depressing. What percent of people under the age of 30 in this country could name the five books of the Hebrew Bible? The five oh, books of the Bible. I, I, I mean, I, do, you know, I, I, I've never seen a poll. I don't want to see but, one. I don't want to see yeah. one. No, look, it's uh, we, well, we've all laughed, uh, except we probably should have been crying uh, in recent decades, when one a TV personality or another or somebody that wanted to go up the chain uh, would would hit on this idea of uh, building their career on the stupidity of the American people by just going out on the street and stopping the first person who walks by and says, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Jesse you know? Waters no, prime nope. time, right? Jesse, yeah, isn't yeah, that no, how he cut his teeth? Yes, yes. And no, no pressure. Don't be embarrassed. You know, uh, uh, we're, we're all busy, you know. So, so who would, who were the two sides in the Civil War? I'm, <laughs> I'm telling you, Tom, the number of times people could not answer that question. I mean, the two guess, sides in the Civil War? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what do they teach in what do they teach in history class? I mean, what do they oh teach? Well, I mean, look, you got 52 genders. You got to spend a lot of time just sorting that out. And you got to be able to name all 52 of them and then identify whether you're one of them. But the five books and of the Bible, they don't know. No, no, they, they probably can give you. Of course, that's banned. You can't teach that in school. No way. No way, Jose. It's funny, I, literature courses, but the greatest book ever written is banned. And I'm all for literature courses, by the way. I think it's great. we got to take a break. You're listening to the Bauer and Rose Show on Sirius XM, the Patriot Channel 125, and the Bauer and Rose podcast at justthenews.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome back, everybody. Gary Bauer and Tom Rose. The uh, show is titled in reverse order of uh, uh, of uh, good looks here. Both of us have uh, faces faces for radio. I'm a lot prettier than Bauer. Um, but um, welcome back, everybody. Here is a shocker, an absolute shocker. This from uh, the Daily Caller. Israel's security cabinet 
announced earlier this week that it's going to move to expedite the process of firearms uh, licensing and registration in the aftermath of this horrific terror attack in Jerusalem last Friday that that murdered seven people in a synagogue, including uh, several elderly people. Uh, listen to this. This is the um, this is the quote from Israel's internal security minister uh, Itamar Ben Gvir: "When civilians have guns, they're better able to defend themselves." What a remarkable, well, outrageous what is he, a Texan. <laughs> I, 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 it's just, and it's so funny because when you think about this, is an itch I'm scratching. When you think about the differences between American Jews and Israelis, we are, and I'm speaking as an American Jew, we are so spoiled. We are, so, we have had it so good for so long that. We're almost childlike in our naivety. I mean, I don't, I don't have opinion research in front of me, but I would bet that 80% maybe, maybe even more of American Jews are huge gun control advocates, that guns are the source of evil, not people, even though um, we have far more stringent gun control laws today than we did 50 years ago, yet violence is off the charts. The proportion of guns per person in the U.S. is lower today than it was 100 years ago. So 100 years ago, the proportion of uh, guns to people was higher than it actually is today. Yet Israelis, Israeli Jews don't have the luxury of being naive. They just – they can't afford it. It would mean their death and their doom. Yeah, you know, Tom, I uh, I remember – it may have been on, on my first trip to Israel uh, – Going to one of the places Christians would would go uh, in order to see a place that is mentioned in the Bible, Gethsemane or the Holy Sepulcher yeah, or some, the Mount of Beatitudes. Yeah, and there was, yeah, there was um, there were a couple of teachers there uh, that had their children with them, uh, Israeli teachers, and uh, because the, the place we were at, and again, I can't remember exactly it was had had significance to Israelis, you know, uh, and, and to Israeli, obviously Israeli Jews. But uh, both teachers had uh, uh, guns it's the over law. their shoulders. It's the law. And, and their children were laughing and smiling and being children, right? The children weren't traumatized by the sight <laughs> of the guns. They, they didn't need counseling. They, they weren't weeping in fear. And I, I, I would suspect they probably felt a great deal of comfort in knowing that the teachers who loved them were willing to die if necessary to protect them from people that are not that far away that would want very much to kill little Israeli children. So these are, it is a serious nation with a serious population that thinks seriously. In this country, and uh, you know, you didn't say it, but it was obviously implied, when a thug kills somebody with an illegal firearm, the first reaction by the left and the popular culture is, We've got to make it more difficult for law-abiding Americans to get a gun. That makes no sense whatsoever. And the test here, Tom, is you know, we all know that every major American city is is in the middle of a horrible crime wave, and the in the close-in suburbs are being affected by the same thing. 
And if you are an American and you believe all this propaganda the left is putting out there, why don't you put up a big sign in your front yard in whatever American city you're living in or in the close-in suburb that says, notice, I have no firearms or ways to defend myself in my house. That's the way to protect schools. Put up a sign that says gun-free zone because no murderer, no terrorist would dare think of violating a gun-free zone. Uh, it's it's just yeah i this is a great quote and everyone's jumping all over it when civilians have guns they're better able to defend themselves well tom i would uh, here's another great quote without the second amendment there would be no first amendment that's absolutely right absolutely our freedom our freedom to worship our freedom to assemble our freedom uh, to speak are all guaranteed by the fact that we are people that have a right to have a gun. In totalitarian societies, um, the people fear their government. In free societies, governments should feel fear of the people. In free societies, you want your government to be hesitant to take away your liberty because that government understands and knows you, as a free man and woman, will not allow that to happen. When you are not free, when you don't have the right to own a gun, when you don't have a right to assemble, etc., you will fear your government because that government can do anything it wants to you and you have no way to do anything about it. What do you make? I mean, we've, I mean we're talking about crime. There was this horrific murder of the uh, New Jersey City Councilwoman shot murdered out front of her home, in front of her home in an apparently random uh, robbery attempt. And I got to love how the FBI has now, uh, when they release their crime statistics and people who think that the FBI is, you know, above board and everything, they've now dropped armed robbery as a violent crime. Armed robbery is no longer a violent crime. Of course, oh using the words, um, you know, CRT is, is, is dangerous. That's violence. When you use words, when you point out uh, criminality in a, in, a, in a person, in an element, uh, you're condemned because that's violence. But now armed robbery, according to the FBI, uh, a crime statistic is no longer considered a violent crime. The, the, uh, there was an incident. And that's uh, designed, obviously, to drive the number down, right? Oh, of course. Of course. Ignorance is bliss, right? I mean, there are lots of uh, liberals in Congress that literally go to the microphone and say, the Republicans are making this up. There's no crime wave in America. This is all being said for politics. This is because they want to divide the country and they don't like Democrat-run cities and on and on and on it goes. Yeah, uh, Tom, the, uh, the, there was uh, this week a uh, uh, two guys doing a – uh, just by themselves, a mini crime wave. In two hours, they arrested 13 people. They were armed and they were, they, uh, they robbed 13 people over those two hours. They were arrested and the one guy, as he's being put uh, into the police car, uh, saw that he was being filmed and he looked toward the camera and he goes, I'll be out in 24 hours. I'm going to be out in 24 hours. I'm not worried. I'll be back on the street in 24 hours. 
He was rubbing it in our nose. In it. And he was he probably was outside that. Because the guy's smarter than a lot of liberals in Congress. He knows what the what's happened to the system and how it's now tilted uh, against the victim and in favor of the criminal. Now, he may he may have miscalculated in one way, because uh, as they drove around Manhattan robbing people. Tom, I don't I don't know. This is a little I mean, maybe there ought to be a warning because I'm I'm going to say something that might disturb some people. Uh, they were not driving an electric vehicle. They were driving an SUV. So they could be in big trouble. I mean, if you're going to have a crime wave and you expect to get out on bail, you better not be aiding global warming while you're driving around Manhattan robbing people of their hard-earned money. I mean, this, these guys really are asking for it. Nikki Haley, uh, according to sources, and I obviously this is leaked to their – they set this up. Nikki Haley will announce for president on, I guess – I can't remember the date, but the middle of the month. Uh, what do you think of her chances? Well, Tom, I must point out that she has never lost a race that she's gotten <laughs> into. And that second of all, she's going to lose the race that she just got into. Uh, I mean, I, I think, you know, I've met Nikki Haley a couple of times. She's spoken at, uh, uh, at Christians United for Israel. She did a, a good job at, uh, at, at the United Nations. For the, for the 15 minutes she was there. Right, expressing at the United Nations, speaking at the United Nations. She was Nations, very good, no the question. Words of the policies that were formed by Donald Trump That's right. and and Mike uh, Mike Pence. So it was not like she was trailblazing policies here. She made up. In fact, if she did not repeat the policies of the administration, she would have been there an even shorter period of time. I do get the sort of sneaky suspicion that her taking that job was in, in order to give herself some cred on foreign policy, because we all know that a woman running for president, it's just the natural order of things. People will worry uh, whether it's right or wrong, if they're going to be tough enough. I would urge people that uh, <laughs> uh, you know, that have that fear that a woman won't be tough Two enough. Two words, to Iron Lady. Yes, Iron Lady, or, uh, you know, the Prime Minister of Israel, uh, Golda Meir, uh, you know, uh, both of them had, uh, had quite enough courage to go around, you know. In fact, they would probably make, uh, metrosexuals, uh, cower in fear. Uh, but, um, so I, I just don't think, um, that, that she has the demeanor of what uh, half the country is looking for at a time when the republic is hanging by a thread. Who do you? I mean, we're running out of time, which is which is good because when we get into political prognostications, you are reliably correct, and I am absolutely certifiably reliably incorrect in every prediction I've ever made. So take those to the bank. How do, how does the race stand right now on the Republican side? Well. Um, there, there are polls that have DeSantis up. There are polls that have Trump up. Will DeSantis even run? What would Trump's strategy be to to uh, knock DeSantis down a peg? Yeah. Well, my first of all, my my advice to uh, to Trump would be not to try to knock DeSantis down a peg. I, I I think that could backfire on him. I mean, DeSantis is in the middle of this battle, and he's going to take a lot of hits from the left on his and, own. Uh, correct. Yeah, just just you know by by doing what he's doing, but but uh, I, I still think it's 
it's pretty clear that the default position is uh, the renomination of Trump. Um, you know, we'll, we have to see how it plays out. Uh, we, we know he has a very clear ability to shoot himself in the foot uh, periodically. And, and that, you know, that might be, um, that might happen again. There's also, Tom, as we've talked about, there could be, there not could be, there are going to be headlines we can't possibly imagine between now and November of 2024 that will probably determine who gets the nomination and determine who ends up getting elected president of the United States. And they're just, they're, they're, Headlines about foreign policy. There could be health headlines. You, you know, the actuarial tables are the actuarial tables. You know, there's just all kinds of things out there. But nobody has a larger core group in the party. It's not a majority, but it's a strong plurality. Which is I all you need probably, in, a, yeah. in a crowded primary field. Yes, yes. And Tom, I, I will add one other thing here. A couple of days ago, Trump uh, went on social media and he made a three and a half minute statement about gender uh, dysphoria and uh, these insane policies that I think we will look back on. These children at Ugh. early ages being given these terrible chemicals and having being poisoned uh, and mutilated and castrated. It's yes, the most... I, I think, Tom, we will look back on this someday uh, with the same disgust as the era when we were giving people frontal lobotomies in an effort to cure mental illness or the days when science and doctors were castrating or sterilizing black men and women in experiments into the early you know, 20th century which were disgusting, but it was being done in the name of science. Uh, we will look back on this uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. But, Tom, the thing that got me about it was he looked right in the camera and he said, when I'm president again, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. We're going to stop this. We're going to defund these hospitals. This is what we're going to do. And it reminded me of one of the presidential debates when uh, they wanted yes or no question, yes or no answers, yes or no, we don't run out of time, yes or no answer. If you're elected president, will you temporarily ban Muslim immigration to the United States? And everybody went down that list. No, 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 of course not. No, no, no. And Trump goes, yes. What? Yes, until we figure out what's going on. There's a sickness in these Islamic countries. There's this radicalism. We can't seem to sort it out. So, yes, I would pause it until we can figure that out. And I remember turning to Carol and saying, he just won the nomination. When everybody else said that comment cost him the nomination, of course, they were wrong. You were right. And we are out of time. Yep. Or, How, it goes fast, Tom. I'm having fun. I hope you are, too. <laughs> More importantly, I hope our listeners are. Well, have a terrific uh, rest of your weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to The Bauer and Rose Show right here on Sirius XM, The Patriot, Channel 125, and JustTheNews.com, Bauer and Rose Podcasts.